Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. Welcome in on Super Regional Friday. It's finally here. I say it's finally here. This week went by really, really fast, at least for me. I hope it did for you guys as well. In anticipation of postseason baseball getting started tonight, of course, you guys know this, Mississippi State not playing tonight. So state fans listening to this, watching this, can sit back and relax a little bit. I mean, that that's... That's nice and exciting for you guys. You get to uh, enjoy some baseball without stressing over it, at least for one day, until tomorrow things get started for you. But it's Super Regional Friday. Really glad that you guys are with me. And uh, I look like crap. And I think think you guys should be proud of me, honestly. I look like crap because uh, the little guy woke up earlier than expected this morning. So we went on a run. And I'm I'm disgusting, but I feel good, and I hope you guys are proud of me. Maybe I'm going to inspire some of you to uh, get halfway uh, away from your house and realize what a mistake you made, <laughs> like I did this morning. Uh, but feeling good, guys, and glad that you're with me. Just a heads up: what we're going to do on the radio show this afternoon is bold predictions. Bold predictions for your Super Regional. So if you listen to the radio show or if you just follow us on Twitter, I know I had a little bit of fun with the polls yesterday because two days ago, some of you, you know, the very online state fans did not like the fact that we asked the simple question of which road team in the Super Regional is more likely going to upset their opponent. Not that bad of a question, but, um, you know, people got mad. And so yesterday I made up for it. I uh, I made up for it by by asking, uh, oh man, these these comments are fun, man. I I, I had to do this. It, it was fun for me yesterday. Uh, I said Thursday poll. Mississippi State is how much better than Ole Miss and everything? A lot or a whole lot? <laughs> uh, some people got the joke. Yeah, some people understood what was going on. Others, uh, others not so much. Apparently, Richard got a text from a friend with a screenshot of that poll, and the guy said, uh, "Tell me why I should ever listen to Sports Talk Mississippi." Again. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. Seriously, Zach. First, uh, my tweet was worse. The, the, the first poll was worse than the Clarion Ledger. I had a guy tell me yesterday. I'm not kidding. I had a guy tell me yesterday that um, I'm just uh, I'm an idiot from South Carolina who uh, has chosen not to learn about the culture here, and I shouldn't have a job here because I don't understand why people got upset about that poll. <laughs> now, yeah, uh, I, I did a political tweet today. I shouldn't I shouldn't have done it because I know people don't like politics. I don't know if it's exactly political, though. Um 
health insurance, my health insurance rates just keep on going up and nobody talks about it. So it's frustrating me. So I got a little political on Twitter. I'm uh, I'm all over the place yesterday, man, starting troll polls on the sports talk feed. Now I'm talking politics on my feed. What what is wrong with me? I'm just fired up for baseball. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I've got my coffee ready for tonight. Luckily, Mississippi State plays at a normal human time tomorrow where I can watch the game without doing this right here. A handful of times during the game. So, so at least we uh, we have that. But um, it is good to be with you guys. I'm really, I'm actually, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm really excited. I'm happy. I'm pumped for baseball this weekend. I'm happy that, that you guys are, are listening to me and watching me and us on the radio and, and everything, uh, despite everything getting more expensive and pay not changing. So basically, I'm making less money and all of you are making less money. Uh, aside from that, life is uh, life is really good and we've got baseball on the brain. If you're uh, watching for the first time, my name is, is Michael Borky, by the way. Uh, you can hear me on the radio in the afternoons. I suffer alongside Richard, and Brian Haydad also suffers alongside of Richard Cross. And um, I do this every morning, Monday through Friday, starting at about 8 a.m. and also the uh, the Sunday radio show as uh, as well. No days off for this guy uh, at all. If you're a first-time watcher, I do do this every morning. It is on Periscope, uh, so Sports Talk's Twitter feed, also mine if you follow me there. Uh, on YouTube, just my name right there. Uh, on YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I, I do YouTube lives every morning. It, it's this same feed. Come football season, there's going to be more content on my YouTube channel. But just getting my feet wet, um, trying to figure out the platform and, and all that stuff. But it's on YouTube as well as Facebook and wherever you get your podcast. Mike in the Morning should do it. My name should also do it. Uh, subscribe and leave a rating and a review. So bold predictions is what we're going to be doing on the radio show this afternoon, and, and we want them to come from you. Your bold prediction this weekend uh, for for your Super Regionals, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, or any of them, LSU, Tennessee, regardless, doesn't matter. Uh, we want to hear your bold predictions this afternoon, so be thinking about them, and uh, that will dominate the conversation today because we're going to have some fun this afternoon. Why, uh, why would we not? It doesn't feel like anybody's really giving Notre Dame a, a shot this weekend. Um, as far as like the Mississippi State fans I interact with, uh, it's it's a confident bunch and it should be. I mean, your baseball team's really good. Uh, I am a huge fan of Chris Limonis. I, I think from a managerial perspective, although, you know, you, you can make an ar- the argument last weekend that he maybe, you know, didn't make the right call in game three as far as who was starting, it, you know, maybe left uh, McLeod in a little bit too long, like a batter or two too long. But generally speaking, I think Chris Limonis really pulls the managerial strings really, really well. Um, I love the shift, that kind of stuff. I mean, he he's great. So you've got a well-coached, really good baseball team, and you are better than Notre Dame. Like, Mississippi State's the favorite. They're my pick to win the series, although I'm not as confident in it going 2-0 and just domination and moving on. I think we will get to Monday for, for Mississippi State, and I do think that they will win this series. Notre Dame's really good, and they hit the baseball. They hit it really well. They mash. Um, but they haven't seen an environment like the one they're about to walk into. It hasn't even been close. Um, I, I said it yesterday, and, and I, I ran it by Richard, and he agreed, so I'm going to say it again. Notre Dame has not played a weekend series that had a combined attendance, combined for three games, attendance, that will match what they will see tomorrow afternoon 
and there's a few thousand people to spare. It's a good baseball team. They'll probably be jacked up to play in that kind of environment, but it's a whole different animal when you're actually in it when you've never been in it before. And those guys, Notre Dame has not been in the environment they're going to be in this weekend before. And Zach, (laughs) um, you're the first person that I have seen so far that is lacking, and this isn't lacking confidence. I feel bad for even saying that because that's not true. Uh, You're not lacking confidence. You just think they're going to make it tight, and I I agree with that. Um, McLeod and Bender have to be better. Uh, They have to be better this weekend because Notre Dame hits the ball better than Campbell and VCU. It's a better offense. Um, So they're going to have to be sharper, more efficient this weekend. I suspect they will. I think that, like I said, I think they're going to win the series. I think they'll win it in three. That's just my prediction this weekend is Mississippi State. They have to play a third game, but they will win uh, that third game. But I I expect it to be close. Um, And I assume, I, I more than assume, I know that Chris Lamonis is not letting that mindset creep into his dugout because every state fan that I've talked to or interacted with besides Zach here is, um, is supremely confident that this is going to be a domination. I don't think so um, because McLeod and Bender have to be sharper than they were last weekend. I, I think they do. Uh, and I think they will. And I think Mississippi state will win. Um, and for whatever it's worth, my, my prediction for Ole Miss is uh, I think they will lose in three. So I think Mississippi State will win in three, and I think Ole Miss will lose in three. Uh, I cannot pick against Doug Nikhazy ever. I mean, can anybody at this point, honestly? Um, D1 ran a story yesterday that was talking about – it was anonymous SEC coach quotes, and and, uh, one guy said about Doug Nikhazy, um, I'd pick him over the two guys at Vanderbilt right now to win a game. You know, not in my Major League Baseball draft, but if you need need a win – that guy comes first. And if you look at numbers in SEC play, he's not wrong. So those are my picks for what it's worth. Uh, I hope I'm wrong about Ole Miss because having two teams in Omaha would just be spectacular. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Arizona's offense is is really, really good. One of the best that Ole Miss has seen. Um, they're going with Diamond tonight, which I think is a, it's a fine call. It's a good call. I still can't wrap my mind around holding Nikhazy for Sunday if they do win tonight. I don't understand that. Um, a lot of people think they should do that, and I hear you. I just w- with your bullpen, although some arms have emerged that that have been better, it's your biggest weakness. It's your biggest weakness is your bullpen. So why would you want to play three games if you don't have to? Why would you play for three games with your bullpen against the best offense in America? Statistically, anyway. I mean, you know, they played in the Pac-12. It's not the same as the SEC, of course. But statistically, Arizona's the best offense in, in the country. Why would you want your bullpen to be stretched against those guys? If Ole Miss wins tonight, you throw Nikhazy tomorrow. You, you do it because you can slam the door tomorrow instead of having to trot out Although he's been better, like a Tyler Myers or, or a McDaniel, and maybe you have to throw Broadway twice already, so you're you're getting into, you know, Kimbrell or Johnson, and, and there's just not a whole lot of good options for Ole Miss if you get to a third game against that kind of an offense. So, so I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, 
I would love to be wrong. I, I hope I am. Eating crow is great when it means that the teams here win. Because despite what some people on Twitter yesterday think, um, it is far better. This job is so much more fun when everybody's winning. That includes Mississippi State. You know, Ole Miss, Homer, me. I want Mississippi State to win every game they play. You know why? Because when I fire this up the next morning, you guys are pumped up and want to hear about it. When Mississippi State is winning in football, the fans are more fired up. And here's something that I probably shouldn't say out loud, but it's it's true. There are a lot of Mississippi State fans that own businesses around here. And if Mississippi State's winning, they're excited about Mississippi State. They're excited about people talking about Mississippi State, and they want their names to be a part of somebody talking about Mississippi State winning. So I want them to win. It's best for me. It's best for, most importantly, the two people down the hall that depend on me. So... I always laugh when people think that, like, I, you know, we are we are anti Mississippi State. That's insanity. I want Ole Miss and Mississippi State to meet in the national championship in every sport every year. That that's what I want. Because you guys would be happy, and you guys would listen and watch more, and I could maybe sell this and make more money. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Sid, I'm going to get to that in one second. Um, let me get to that one second because I've got a lot of thoughts about that. And I talked to a handful of people yesterday. It's an interesting deal with uh, with LSU and their coaching search. Andrew's confident. He says dogs by a million. JP says Borky, good morning. What an interview you guys had to wrap up the show yesterday. Some clarity finally on what the vibe is in Baton Rouge. Okay, so you know what, Sid? We'll, uh, we'll get to that right now. Um, we'll get to that right now. So I'll, I'll finish JP's uh, message and um, – and he's talking about it. So we'll, we'll just go, we'll go right in in a coaching search conversation. Based off the interview, uh, would you rather win at all costs? And how it turns out, the women's basketball coach or comments about rape at Baylor and Casey, his checkered pass running pointed Alex Box. I'm firmly in the corner with you. Your hires have to be squeaky clean, right? It's almost as if common sense doesn't exist between the athletic director's ears. For the life of me, I don't understand. I don't understand it, and what was said about Mike Bianco was true. Your resume is your resume, but a lot of coaches after tenure, air quotes, is achieved. Um, so things we don't always expect, or I, I assume you meant do things we don't always expect. As this unfolds, I wouldn't be shocked if the dean changes locales, and I'm with you. And uh, Devin says, by the way, Diamond has to pitch a solid six or seven innings tonight to have a chance. I agree completely. Um, he can't get run after four and two-thirds or five tonight. Um, it's a huge day for him, uh, especially. But I, I like that he's in this spot because if he does lose, you at least feel really, really good about going to a game three. You feel really good about it. Um, all right, so let's talk LSU coaching search. Pat Casey, uh, according to multiple reports, I think the advocate was first, uh, will not be the next head coach at LSU barring something insane. Uh, Pat Casey, as you guys know, was the head coach at Oregon State, won three national championships, has been since retired for three years. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he he recruited and played a registered sex offender. And LSU was interested. And, and here's what's so what I hate so much about social media and, and fans on social media. Kendall Rogers a couple of days ago put out there that Pat Casey was 
a real the, the leading candidate at LSU. What Kendall did not say was LSU is hiring Pat Casey. He did not say that it was a done deal. He didn't say anything other than leading candidate. And as we learned yesterday, that was not only real, public pressure probably turned them off of it because he flew from Oregon to Baton Rouge and toured the facilities a few days ago. That was real. It was real. And public backlash, in part, at least based on conversations that I've had and things that I've seen written, is what turned them off of it, which is pathetic, by the way, that it took that and not an ounce of self-awareness from the school to realize that somebody that has that past should not be coaching at a school currently under two separate, a, a Title IX investigation from the federal government and a lawsuit involving violent assault and sexual assault on your campus. How you could even go down the road of having that name affiliated with your job, considering what is going on on your campus right now is crazy. But it is the same people that hired Kim Mulkey, who, like I told you yesterday, but it bears repeating, after Baylor's own violent and sexual assault scandal, she said, if you don't, if you're a parent and you're not comfortable sending your kid to Baylor, you should be punched in the face. That's who they just hired to coach women's sports at LSU. So it, I guess it shouldn't be surprising, but I can't believe it even got that far. We, we were told yesterday he visited Baton Rouge. He was there touring the facilities. It was real. But now Kendall's getting just ripped for it today. Uh, people are saying that he made it up and all that stuff. And that's why I hate doing stuff like this. I know it's part of the job and you have to do it. I had a couple conversations yesterday. I'm not a reporter. So I, I'm just telling you what the word is out there. Um, but I, that's why I hate doing stuff like this. Because if this ends up, not, if what I think is going to happen and what I was told doesn't end up happening, people think I'm gonna, I made it up or whatever. Kendall didn't make it up. It was real. Things changed. And people just can't see that. It's crazy. Um, so Casey's not there. He was unhirable. Should have been not even a factor in the job, but it's LSU. So they've moved on from him. And I said on Twitter last night, it was very uh, uh, behind a veil, but you guys know who I'm talking about. I said... Um, Oh, gosh, what did I say? i got to pull it up now. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> what did I say? I said it's very clear. It's pretty clear where they'll be turning next. And, again, I talked to a couple people yesterday who would know things like this. And we also heard from Matt Moscona on the radio show who also said some, some things like this. So it's not like it's some big secret. But um, it, it certainly sounds like the, the direction that they will be turning is Mike Bianco and Cliff Godwin. And basically, they seem to be pretty divided uh, about it right now. At least, you know how this works, factions of boosters. There were, there were factions of Ole Miss boosters that strongly encouraged Lane Kiffin, or uh, Keith Carter to not hire Lane Kiffin. There were factions of people that wanted Matt Luke to stay the head coach. So not everybody should have a voice, but they do when you know how this works. Um, it is my understanding that LSU and Mike Bianco have in some capacity, had conversations about the job. Um, people 
at LSU, around LSU, think that uh, if offered, he's taking it, regardless of what Ole Miss does. That's probably hyperbolic, but that is what the people around there think is going to happen. Uh, Mike Bianco is a Skip Burtman guy. There are a lot of the old guard around there that want him to be their next head coach. Um, There's also a group of people that want Cliff Godwin to be their next head coach. And so that's kind of where the search is going. It's either Mike Bianco or Cliff Godwin. Nobody has mentioned any other name. Where this gets interesting, though, is what happens if LSU does offer Mike Bianco the job? What happens if they come to him with an offer? What does Ole Miss do? Does he take the job? That's the biggest question. I think one of you already asked it on here. Um, If he's offered, does he take it? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know for sure one way or the other, but I think it's illogical to think that he would not. He may not. It may not happen. LSU may offer him the job, and he decides to stay at Ole Miss. That's entirely possible. It's entirely possible that that happens. There is an element here of you've been at somewhere for so long, over two decades. Some people just want a change of scenery. It's possible that that's the case for Mike Bianco. It's also possible that he wants to go and continue on the legacy of of his coach. He did play there. There's something to be said about where you where you played. It, it, it's meaningful. It's not like LSU would be trying to poach a coach from Ole Miss that has no ties to LSU. This is absolutely different. And it, at least it was insinuated to me yesterday that there is a line of thinking within the athletic department at Ole Miss that feels comfortable with the current financial compensation. And if LSU offers a significant raise, Ole Miss may not counter. That is at least what what somebody told me yesterday. A A line of thinking inside of the athletic department. I don't know if it's Keith Carter's thinking or not. I don't know. But there is, at least from what I was told, a line of thinking that if LSU offers a raise, more money, Ole Miss is comfortable where they are and what they pay a baseball coach for the production that they are currently receiving. It is a top 10 salary in college baseball. I think it's number six. Are they getting number six results? Some people say yes. There's a line of thinking at Ole Miss from somewhere that says no. Where they are comfortable what they're paying. They're not going to get into some kind of financial race with LSU to keep them, if that's what it comes down to. But the problem is, it happens if they go to the College World Series this year. I think that muddies the water a little bit when it comes to, to this particular situation. I think that muddies the water. Because if Ole Miss goes to the College World Series this year, and then let's say what I heard is actually how it goes down and LSU offers and almost doesn't counter. If that is true, if that's actually reality, fans are going to be pissed. Like you, you cannot, if you make a trip to the college world series and LSU makes a run at your coach and you don't try to keep him, that won't be received. Well, 
that will really muddy the waters of this thing a lot. So it's a fluid situation, and that's why I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about stuff like this, because this could be rendered obsolete by Saturday. Things could change. LSU could go hire Cliff Godwin tomorrow, and, and all of this would, would become moot. It's a, it's a really fluid situation, so please understand that what I'm saying is not gospel. But it's just, it's just what the talk is out there. It's what the talk is. Um, I think that if Ole Miss does not go to the College World Series this weekend, this is what I think, my prediction, not that, that's it. I think if Ole Miss does not go to the College World Series this weekend and LSU offers him the job, he will take it. That is my guess. Guess, guess, guess. That is my guess based on some conversations and reading stuff that other people have written. That's my guess. If he is offered the job and they don't make it to the College World Series, I think Ole Miss will shake hands and say, thank you for everything you've done. You made this program, and we can't wait to put a statue up when you retire. I think that's how it will go down. It may not. A lot of moving parts here. And LSU coaching search is kind of a a disaster. It's not exactly surprising. But anyway. That's that's the current feeling right now that I get is Ole Miss is comfortable with the financial compensation. That could change if they make the College World Series, of course. But if LSU tries to come in and offer like a $300,000 raise after this weekend, I don't know if it's going to be countered. I'm not entirely sure that it would be. But it could change. That's just That's just what I feel right now. That's how I feel right now. Zach says, as much as I hate to pick LSU to win anything, I'd love to see Bianco versus Bianco under the assumption that the matchup doesn't require State to get eliminated. Uh, I think that Tennessee's on the other side of the bracket. I think t- I think Tennessee's on Mississippi State side, right? I think so. Um, yeah, and this is a, this is an interesting point. This was something that was brought up to me as well that the lack of of getting an extension after 2019. Uh, is a point of contention. I think so. I, I think that, that that's a point of contention. Um, but we'll see. We will we will see. Devin, I, I, Devin says, as an Ole Miss fan, I believe if he's offered the job, he goes. And Sid is asking, does LSU offer a coach before the College World Series ends? Um, I have a feeling an offer is already out there. Does a coach accept the job before the College World Series ends? Is that coach in the College World Series? If ECU and Ole Miss lose this weekend, I think middle of next week, LSU will be welcoming their new head coach. Barring, I mean, and it's possible that the search is going a completely different direction. Uh, whoa. <laughs> Whoops. I know in broadcasting you're not supposed to draw attention to your uh, your slips, but <laughs> Oh man. Oh wow. Uh this search could go in a completely different direction and uh a name can come out of left field that we haven't seen before. 
that's possible too. A lot of moving parts here. There, there's definitely nothing solid set in stone or anything like that. But I, I do know, I, I, I trust Matt Moscona when he said yesterday, there's a, a portion of uh, a large group, influential group of LSU people that want Mike Bianco to be the coach and think, because LSU, of course, think that anybody they offer is going to take the job, uh, that he will take it when he's offered. Um, there are there's a line of thinking around there that it's just Bianco now, that they have turned their sights just on him. I don't necessarily believe that to be the case, but that's out there. And then the biggest question is, what would Ole Miss do if LSU came and offered? Could they do anything? But if they could, what would they do? But if they lose this weekend and LSU's offering a few hundred thousand dollars a year more, I think that might be it. But that's just what I think. And uh, and things could definitely change. What weird timing uh, to to have this be the biggest story, right? I mean, this is the biggest story right now is the LSU coaching search and the direction it's gone. And almost is playing in a super regional game tonight. And then this is the biggest conversation. Um, luckily for the team, I think it's ideal for them to not be at home right now. I mean, the players see stuff on social media, of course they they do, but they're out of town. You know, they're they're far away from here. So the buzz and all that stuff. If they're out to eat last night, and some overzealous guy that reads too many message boards is not going to see Tim Elko and be like, "Hey, Bianco's not going to be coaching here next year, is he?" You know, that stuff won't happen this weekend. And maybe after the weekend's over, we get some more clarity about what's happening. But it seems like there's a divide. I'm not confident. That, that Ole Miss would fight it if that's what it would come down to, barring what happens this weekend. So um, that's all I know right now. That's um, that's all I can really offer you, and, and please don't hold it against me if it's wrong. I'm just relaying what I think. Um, relaying what I think is true at the moment. So take it or leave it. I am not a journalist. That That's what a lot of people need to realize, too. Um. Journalists can have opinions and do opinion stuff, but this platform, talk radio, podcasting and stuff, again, reporters have podcasts, and, and they a lot of them do a really good job. Radio hosts can report things. Dan Patrick does quite often. But th- this is an opinion platform. Th- that's, what, that's what talk radio is. That's what, uh, that's what columnists are. They're, they're opinion people. I'm an opinion person. Not a reporter. Uh, people do that. Get that confused. Like, for example, a couple years ago, when Rich Rodriguez was trying the run left, run right, roll Plumley out right, throw a ball in the dirt offense, I, I said on a weekly basis that this isn't going to work. Matt Corral's the better option. This isn't going to work. And I had. I got a lengthy email from an Ole Miss fan giving me lessons on journalism where journalists should not criticize the program that they cover. And my response was simply, it was a very short response. It was, I, I am decidedly not a journalist. I, I'm, I'm not on the beat. But 
even beat writers can give opinions when asked of them. So it's literally my job to criticize when warranted. So for whatever that's worth. Devin thinks LSU might pull an Auburn and have a jet waiting on Monday. If that's who they want and Ole Miss loses, I think they're going to do the full court press. Does he take uh, assistance? I want to keep them. I have a feeling uh, that at least the hitting coach will have a, a head coaching job. I think Mike Clement will have a head coaching job uh, this time next year. I think. He should anyway. He's really good at what he does. Uh, a smaller school that, that's looking for a coach, I think he should be on their short list without a doubt. Really, really, really good at what he does. So I think I think you might be losing him one way or the other. So um, I'm running out of time today. I might just save this for the Sunday show because I'm already after. I'm already past the uh, the half hour mark. And Roy, you're exactly right. Baseball coaching searches are a different animal than than football, but. This one especially, it seems like there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of fluidity, nothing is really solid, and that's why information's been so inconsistent. I mean, Kevin O'Sullivan was taking the LSU job, but things got dicey there uh, with with the background check and stuff like that, apparently. And and then, you know, we, we get this Casey situation, and he was the leader in the clubhouse. He's visiting Baton Rouge. I mean, he was in town. He flew to Baton Rouge. That happened. Background, what couldn't hold up against scrutiny. And so now you've got some people that want Mike Bianco. You've got some people that want Cliff Godwin, both of whom are playing this weekend. Uh, Maybe there's another candidate out of left field, but I do know this. LSU people think that they are getting whoever they offer. That is a confident bunch of people down there. And in fairness, it's probably the best job in college baseball. I, I mean, they have the stadium's not as nice as um as that of Duty Noble, but they still put, you know, ten thousand people in there every game. So the atmosphere is electric. There's fan buy-in, there's facility buy-in. The state of Louisiana produces great players, and they have help with scholarships. There is a built-in scholarship program in the state that can help them get more players with more money that the state of Mississippi, for example, does not have. So they have scholarship help. They have the fan support. They have the facilities. They have the money. I mean, there was reports out there that O'Sullivan was going to be a $2 million a year guy for college baseball. It's insane to me, but that's that's what they were willing to do. So I think it's probably the best job in America. So I understand why they think they're getting whoever they want. Um, and it might it might just be Bianco. JP says, not a journalist. Hey, all right, what's the title we shall call you? Radio guy? I don't know. Just call me Borky. <laughs> um, it, it's a... I don't know how to describe it other than when people... Like, when you give... When you're in this position and you give an opinion and someone says that's bad journalism well it's because it's not it's my opinion guys i am not any more qualified to talk about stuff like this than any of you that's the truth is dan patrick more qualified I, i love dan patrick i think he's the best but is he more qualified to talk about 
sports than than any of his producers? No, what Dan Patrick does is he editorializes extremely well. He's entertaining. Um, he's got a great voice, and, and that certainly helps. But uh, his presentation is what separates him from the average guy. It's not knowledge. Now, he's really connected with all of his years working at ESPN. But as far as, like, you know, he didn't play at a high level. I think he played small college basketball. I played high school football and high school golf. Not to brag, I was number one on my really bad high school golf team. I played linebacker for uh, 4A South Carolina High School. And 4A was the biggest there at the time. And we were at a separate division called the Big 16 even. Um, And our team was, we were okay my junior year. We were really good my senior year. But it wasn't because of me. Why am I more qualified to talk about this stuff than you guys? I'm not. I would like to think I can editorialize really well and articulate thoughts really well and talk about what you guys want to talk about, but I'm not more qualified to do it than you are. I don't know any more than you do. Because of where I am, I I get to talk to people like I I did yesterday, uh, specifically about Ole Miss and and what they're going to do if LSU comes at Bianco. Um, That is really interesting, that side of things, if they make the College World Series especially. Um, that gets really, really muddy if that happens. Because I think they have an idea in mind if they do lose this weekend of how they're going to approach it. But I'm not any more qualified than you guys are. I don't know anything. There are some people, like Cole Kublik, for example, he played at the highest level. So when he's breaking down football, listen to him. Like He knows his stuff. But most of us, we're just regular guys like you. That's just the truth. JP says, I can save this for a slow content day. I've gathered some dissenting views on college football expansion nationally. Right now, not everyone is as thrilled about it or on or as on board with it as we are locally. That was surprising to me. Zach said, yeah, a lot of people in my friend group are really against it. The main argument is that it devalues other bowl games. That frustrates me so much. Where is value in bowl games? What's valuable about bowl games? Nothing. They only exist to make money. There, there's no prestige in the Liberty Bowl. I mean, no, there's no prestige in the Liberty Bowl. The prestige in it is that they can slap a corporate sponsor on it, get two and a half million people to watch it, and ESPN can sell ads on it. That's why these bowl games exist. If if ESPN and college teams couldn't make money on bowl games, if there was no money in it, there would only be playoff games. That's the truth. Bowl games have no value. That's why players are opting out, because it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about them. We watch them because it's more football, and we love football. So we'll watch it. I'll watch it. I watch every bowl game. I don't miss one. I love it. But the... The, the players care. They want to win these games, but there's no prestige in them. None. The devaluing the regular season argument is mind-blowing to me. I had somebody tell me yesterday that college football has the best regular season in sports. And while I love it and it's really good and it feels better than that of the NBA because they play 82-game seasons and Major League Baseball because they play 162, um, is it really the best? 
Is it really that that great? And because the the argument that the guy had with me was, well, Alabama, when they play LSU, if they lose, they may not make the playoff, and that makes that game great. Well, yeah, a- Alabama plays important games all the time. So does Clemson, although fewer of them. So does Ohio State, although also fewer of them. Here's a stat for you. This is this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say the regular season in college football is not as good as people think it is. Four of the last five years, in four of the last five years, no one lower than seventh in the initial, the first college football rankings made the playoff. In four of the last five years, nobody lower than seventh made the playoff. That means after seven, the rest of college football, for the last two months of college football, had nothing to play for. Had nothing to play for. I would much rather devalue Alabama's season just a little bit to make the rest of college football's season matter more. Because there is no logical way you can say that more meaningful games for more teams would devalue the regular season. We may get an important game every weekend. We may get one playoff-impacted game a weekend. Now we'll get five. How is that devaluing the regular season? North Carolina and Miami played last year. Final game of the season. Did any of you watch it? Probably not. It was a blowout, actually, but... Did that even move the needle for any of you, Miami and North Carolina? Probably not, right? Nah, probably not. Um, and maybe this this thing doesn't adjust your thinking at all. But in the current 12-team format, or the current proposed 12-team format, Miami and North Carolina last year would have been playing for a spot in the playoff. Both of them would have missed it, but that would have been on the line. I think North Carolina's ranked 15th and Miami was somewhere around there as well. North Carolina ended at rank at 13 last year. How on earth can having that game with meaning attached to it make the regular season worse when it's another game with big brands that actually that actually matters? How could we how can you say that? Yeah, Alabama plays meaningful games every year, and that's great. Ole Miss doesn't. Mississippi State doesn't. Kansas State doesn't. Virginia Tech doesn't. North Carolina hasn't. They might this year, but they haven't. After October 3rd, this past season, there was not a playoff-implicated college football game played west of the Mississippi River. You cannot tell me that's good for the sport. The overall health of the sport is is going in the wrong direction. It's going in a, a negative direction direction. Now, I hear you when you say expanding is not the best way to determine a champion. You're exactly right. You you don't need 12. You don't need eight. Six would probably be ideal as far as the best way to determine a champion, teams that can actually win. But that's not really why you're doing this. Because this idea that the college football regular season is great, I think that's kind of a fallacy. And I've heard people say, well, college football is the only sport where you have to be perfect. If you're perfect, you get in. If you're not, you don't. Well, tell that to Cincinnati. 
Tell that to UCF. They were perfect. They didn't get in. Texas A&M was, el- was an elite football team last year. They didn't get in. Notre Dame did, though. Texas A&M would have put up a better fight at the end of the season than Notre Dame did against Alabama. That's for sure. That's for sure. Sachs says, a direct quote from his friend was, but folks still enjoyed them and put stock in the more prestigious ones. It was truly treated as a reward and not a consolation prize. It's a consolation prize now. It's not a reward. A four-loss Auburn team made the Sugar Bowl. You're telling me that's prestigious? No. And with the 12-team playoff, you you get prestigious bowl games still. They're going to play them at these bowl sites. You're going to get the Rose Bowl. It's going to have more meaning attached to it. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that at all? See, Devin, the, the reason why they wouldn't do eight and then power five and three at large is it's just it's still creating the same access problem. And also because they don't want a scenario, and as Zach points out, I, I love this, uh, that it's not a guaranteed spot for a conference champion. I love, I love that caveat because it eliminates a four-loss Pittsburgh who just happened to upset Clemson one day making the playoff. If the Pac-12 continues to suck, they don't deserve a shot in the playoff. I love that it's the highest, the six highest-ranked conference champions of any conference and not rewarding bad conferences or fluke championships. That means your ranking has to be good and you have to win your conference. I loved that caveat. Just absolutely, it makes just perfect and total sense to me. That's how it should be done. I never thought about that before. But the Pac-12 champion last year did not deserve to play for the playoff. Even in a 12-team format, they did not deserve it. So in this setting, they wouldn't have gotten it. I love it. Cincinnati deserved, Cincinnati was perfect last year. They deserved a shot. But access is the most important thing. Because what access can do, especially since there's haves and have-nots in college football, and the haves are like eight. It won't change everything. It won't completely level the playing field, but an Ole Miss and a Mississippi State getting a shot at the playoff um, can help elevate their program. They can sell that to recruits. Because right now, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach cannot sell, hey, we make the playoffs to recruits. Nope, because it'll never happen. 12-team format, they can sell it. Maybe the guy is more likely then to go to Ole Miss or Mississippi State because he feels like, hey, I can compete for a championship there. So it can level the playing field. Access breeds important games, more of them, which is overall better for the total health of the sport, which is going in the wrong direction. I've got to run, guys. I've gone way, way long, but I appreciate all of you hanging on for as long as you did. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for, for tuning in. Um, you guys are the best. And uh, enjoy your baseball this weekend. I'll be back on Sunday morning um, and then right back here with you on uh, on Monday as well. And the radio this afternoon. Get your bold predictions ready. And uh, Haydad and I will be discussing yours starting at 3. So y'all have a good day, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you here soon. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.